morning that it was time for us to pull up our tent pegs. We've heard be still and see the salvation of the Lord from many preachers miles through our years. But the word be still means to stand up, present yourself. And the whole message in Exodus chapter 14 this morning was for the children of Israel to stand up, present themselves to the Lord, draw a line in the sand. This is in the Hebrew. Draw a line in the sand, scratch out a plan. For today, you're going to see Jesus show up on your behalf today. And by the end of the day, the Pharaoh, the enemy that is coming against you, will wave his white flag of surrender. And the memory, even the memory of him in your mind, will be wiped out of your mind forevermore. I do understand in life when people go through things that fear tries to creep in. In fact, here in the United States of America, in most churches now, we've got about 20% of the people that are coming to church, if that. And some fear has taken over a lot of people because of the pandemic and other things. And I want to tell you, I still have a feeling in my spirit that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I don't know what's going to happen. I think what is happening, and I've said it behind the pulpit on many occasions. It's good to see Aunt Linda and Aunt Janice tonight, by the way. But I've said it on many occasions that the church has been sounding an alarm, had, had been, that God has been sounding an alarm to the church for decades. And the church has not heard him. If they have heard him, they hadn't paid any attention to him. So Wednesday night, I preached a message entitled, Don't You Hear That Alarm That's Going Off? And when we hear the alarm, God said, I would rather have obedience than sacrifice. We can come here and we can praise all day long, raise our hands all day long, speak in tongues all day long and all that, and that's wonderful, and that's nice, and I enjoy it. But without obeying the Lord, it's about as worse as much as that carpet is down there. It might make you feel good, but it's not going to change a whole lot of people. It's time for us to obey the Word of God and to stand up and present ourselves as a armed soldier of the Lord, who we are. Draw a line in the sand and tell the devil in that bulldog tenacity, if you cross across this line, then you're not just tending with me. You're going to contend with God and every host that there is in heaven. Because they are on your side, by the way. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God has already delivered you. I shared with you this morning while we went through this that it wasn't the fact that they needed deliverance. They had already been delivered and God was already with them. Jesus was leading them in the pillar of the cloud and he moved to the back of them. God was already there. They had already been delivered. But they had to learn how to walk in the way of deliverance. And in the church today, many of us don't know how to walk in the way of deliverance. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not an expert on it. I still fall quite often. I still need Janice to pray for me. I still need all of y'all to pray for me because I don't have it all mastered out. But I will tell you this. One thing I know that if I do fall, I have an advocate with the Father who washes me afresh with his blood and he purges my spirit with his, and he does not pull his spirit from me. Thank God for the spirit of God that he gave us at conversion. And you know, a lot of people don't like to hear the fact, 
And in church, Christians don't like to tell the truth, and that is that there are times that we can have faith and we can have doubt at the same time. Just because there's a presence of faith doesn't mean that doubt ain't there either. There are times on the inside you want to believe everything that God has said, and you really do. But then when you look on the outside, it looks like that nothing is coming together. Your finances ain't coming together. You're getting sick. Your wife's getting sick. Your husband's getting sick. Your children aren't serving the Lord. God promised you in the Bible. He said all of your children will be saved, you and your household. But as you live on a daily basis, sometimes you look and you see, hey, my children ain't saved. I want to believe that. That's the word of God. But I don't see it transpiring out in the world today. What do we do? This morning, I shared with you how a people that had been in captivity for 430 years, or 400 years, or 430 years in Egypt, had been so swayed by the environment that they lived in that they had literally forgotten God. They knew a little bit about God, a memory of God, and they knew just enough about him that in times of tough issues and situations, they knew to call on him when it got tough. And I believe today in the United States of America, that's where we are. Wednesday night I preached to you and told you that, and we read the scripture in Joshua where it said that after Joshua passed away and all the people that were with him, a generation rose up that didn't know the Lord. They hadn't seen the experience, the mighty works of God. We have not experienced revival in our lifetime. 157 years ago is the last time that we've had revival in the United States of America on a nationwide level. We haven't really seen the power of God show up like people did 150 years ago. We are living on a memory of what God is. And in the church today, when we really look at it, there isn't a whole lot of people that truly know the God they serve. They don't truly know his characteristics, what he desires. Because look around tonight. It shares with you in a testimony that not many people know what God desires. God said that you are not to forsake the assembly of yourself together, that you are supposed to be, especially when you start seeing the end of time come, you need to be in church more than you've ever been. But many of us stay home for the least little thing. It can be that we didn't go to bed by 1 o'clock. It could be that someone shows up at our house. It can be that we woke up, we just didn't feel good, or it's dark, or whatever it may be, and we decide we ain't going to come. I understand if you're sick, all of that, but after a while, sometimes you got to draw a line in the sand and you got to say, okay, this is my territory. This is where your battle and your claim over me stops. He told them they're on the Red Sea on the side in Egypt. He said, draw a line right here on the coast of the Red Sea. Stand up and present yourselves. I believe when he told them that, when he said the word be still, that's how it's translated in the Bible, be still. He was telling the enemy, when you draw that line, all right, you can come this far, but that's it. If you cross this line, you will not cross back over this line. That's why this morning when you come in here, there was a line up here, and there was a line right back yonder, laid down in painter's tape. And when he crossed over that line, I was telling the devil before you ever got here that this is God's house, this is God's territory, this is God's sanctuary, and the devil better understand and realize that this is holy. And if he steps in here and he wants to try to do anything, he will not leave here the way he came because the Lord is going to take care of him and show him that he is God. Amen? Smile at somebody and say, today the Lord will fight for you. Now, we need to believe that. Amen? I closed this morning and I said, now, 
When all this was going on, there was terror attacked on top or stacked on top of terror. We had the place of Migal, which was a fortress where there were armed guards from the Pharaohic Egyptian army that had nine different weapons that could have touched, taken them out, just fired on them because they had nothing but sandals. I also told you at uh, Pihiroth that right there was the mouth of the Red Sea and just a little bit to the right there where they crossed over the Red Sea was the god of all gods in Egypt by the name of baal Safan. And that was the God that God said, I'm going to have a showdown with. Every one of the plagues that he sent in Egypt was an attack against the 10 or 11 Godheads of Baal that there is in Egypt that they worship. And God attacked them and showed them that even though they had a God over lice and they had a God over the cattle and over the, they had a God over the frog and over although they called the Nile a God, that God was bigger than them gods. And he was teaching the uh, Pharaoh and he was teaching the Egyptians and he was teaching the children of Israel that he was stronger than the God that they had been serving for all those years. And as a child of Israel, they had been so uh, detracted and diluted by what God was because of the worship of the idols that was around them. And they actually looked at the Nile as a God. They looked at the God about a ball that was over the frogs, and they looked at it as being a God. They looked at the cow as a God, and when they began, even after they left and went across the Red Sea, and they got out in front of Mount Sinai, they took the wealth of, of Egypt, and they put it in, in a fire and melted it down, and to build a God to the God that brought them out of Egypt, they built a bull, which was Baal, the God of Egypt. And here they are standing against the one God that all the Egyptians said had a little temple on the outside there of, the, of Egypt in the middle of the Red Sea where it was in Egypt's land. And his duty, according to the mystery and what they've been telling everybody, his duty was as if you tried to escape Egypt, that Baal had the power over the sea and he would kill you or he would drown you in the Red Sea. So if he started acting up, you better skedaddle and go back home. If the wind started acting up or a hurricane came, you better run because Baal was showing out because you were trying to get out of Egypt. And terror on top of terror was added to these kids that didn't know Moses. Moses been gone 40 years. They didn't know him. Moses was kin to these people, but they weren't familiar with him. He wasn't familiar with them. He wasn't raised as a Hebrew. He was raised as, a Pharaoh, as Pharaoh's grandson. So we got all the elements of all hell about ready to break loose. And everybody here so fearful that they don't know what to do in taking a step. Have you ever been in your life so fearful of making any move that if you make the wrong move, you think everything that's holding around you is going to come crashing down on you? Am I talking to anybody tonight? This is the situation that they were in. And here's what I want you to see with that. That was not Pharaoh's work. That was not Moses' work. That was the work of God. God put them in that situation. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. God hardened the heart of all the Egyptians and sought to go back and get the Israelites. God put these people and put Moses in this situation simply because God wanted to show him, and I told you this morning as I ended it up, how big the God that he was going to serve actually is. I wonder how many of us is getting an idea here after this morning how big your God is. 
I'm going to tell you, I hope that you'll listen to my podcast. I hope you'll find it on Facebook because you're not going to hear that in very many churches around. If you get a revelation of how big God actually is, you couldn't sit there the way you are right now. God is a God above all gods. He can reach down with one hand and turn the earth completely upside down. Your little problems that you're having in your life, they're not even a mist off of a raindrop to God. God can give you $100 to pay your water bill in a heartbeat. He can give you enough money to pay off your house in a heartbeat. He can heal you no matter what sickness and disease there is. God is a God that is so big your mind cannot even imagine how great he is. He's deserving of your praise. He's deserving of your honor. He's deserving of your worship. He's deserving of your time and your talent and your abilities. He's deserving of your whole life and it's time that the church realized how big the God is that we serve and start telling the world how big he is and quit telling the world how big the devil is. And I'm ready for this church to start letting the world know that God is a whole lot bigger than the devil. So what if there's a COVID out there? So what if there's a pandemic out there? So what if there's a recession globally out there? So what if all that there's happening? God said you ain't got to participate in the recession. You ain't got to participate in that there's sickness. You ain't got to participate in that pandemic. You can be free and delivered by the power of God. All you got to do is learn how to walk in the deliverance because the deliverance is already there and it's time for us to see the angel of God that is going before us in a pillow of a cloud and a, a lightning of fire by day. I want you to understand God has already delivered you. He's just ready for you to start walking into deliverance. I don't want to keep you very long. But I closed this morning by saying it's amazing to me that when all this was going on and the eastern wind began to blow, fierce began to blow that they started seeing in the word in there when it says that the water started to go back in part, it began to walk back is what it explains. And as you look at it in the tense and the voice of the mood, it started taking a step at the time. And the water was walking back on each side a step at the time. And these people sat there and watched God open up the Red Sea for 12 miles. One step at a time. As the wind blew one step at a time, each step was an opportunity for them to worship God and shout and scream and praise the Lord and let out a war cry, but they weren't doing that. They were looking at Moses saying, why have you brought us out here to kill us? It would have been better for us to be in Egypt and to die in Egypt. Ain't there enough of graves in Egypt? We should have died there. Now Moses has got somebody mad at him. The whole crowd's mad at him. He don't know him. They don't respect him. And he don't know who to talk to. He ain't got a nobody that he can talk to. So the only person that he knows that he can talk to is God. You ever been in a situation in your life when you couldn't talk to your husband, you couldn't talk to your wife, couldn't talk to your pastor, you couldn't talk to your girlfriend, your friend, you couldn't talk to nobody? The only person that you had to talk to in your life was God himself. Moses falls down and he begins to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord said, why are you crying out to me? I've already delivered you. Don't you know how big I am? Don't you know how powerful I am? I told you I put something in your hand, and what I put in your hand is enough to get you through this situation. Look at somebody and say, what's in your hand? It's big enough to get you through the situation. Everything you'll ever need has already been applied. It's already there. An angel's already been stationed. God's already led you a step. He's carried you every way. He's carried you everywhere you need to go. He's led you. He's guided you. He's made sure that the catfish that's in the tank that's after the cod trying to keep you from being fresh, keep you fresh, that God knows exactly how big that catfish is, and he will not let that catfish get a hold of you because God is a God that already got your path backed out for him. 
Y'all need to hear that message this morning if you didn't hear it. In fact, I wish all of you would listen to it again because it was filled with the Word of God. Amen? So Moses didn't know who to talk to. God was not only ministering to the children of Israel. God was not only ministering to the people from Egypt. He was not only ministering to Pharaoh. He was ministering to Moses because as I closed up this morning, I began to share with you what Moses would need for the next 40 years to keep these children of Israel alive in the wilderness. He would need 11 million gallons of water a day to feed that big of a crowd and to thirst, uh, to fill up, uh, 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 or make sure that that crowd did not thirst away. He would need a freight train one mile long of food on a daily basis, four of them, to feed them. And if he got wrapped up in the situation and he began to look about what he needed, then he would literally not have enough of faith in God to obey God and go forward. And there at the Red Sea, when he stretched out his rod that God had already put in his hand, he got a revelation of how big God was. And up on Mount Sinai, God gave him a little bit better revelation at that point. And once he got that revelation, Moses didn't stutter stutter one more time. He didn't stand up and back up no more. He knew that the God that he served was going carry them people to the promised land he had faith regardless no matter how many were sitting there trying to come against him how many got mad at him he was going to do what God called him to do and he drew a line in the sand and he said this is the property of God jump on me you jump on God y'all with me this morning amen for tonight so it kind of baffles my mind looking at this as the water by the wind is stepping back as the cloud leaves from the front and goes to the back and on that side of the Egyptians it's pitch darkness and they can't see anything but on this side the fire and the pillar of the cloud lights it up so everybody can see to show the children of Israel that the word of God is a light into your path and as the wind blew those 84 foot seas began to stand up on each side, 84 foot high. Couldn't even see the top of them. They were so high. And not only that, there was a wind that was blowing. Hear this. In chapter 15, there was a wind that was blowing by God. The Bible says in chapter 15, he blew with his nostril. And the sea parted. And as he did, that wind was so strong and so cold that it froze it and congealed it like jello. But yet, the children of Israel were able to walk through that fire or walk through that that sea, walk through that situation, walk through the wind, and they could go forth on dry ground. Everybody say on dry ground. And it hit me in my head while I was studying this, and I said, I wonder why it is that they're not praising the Lord when the cloud left or the pillar of the cloud left from the front and went to the back and stood between Pharaoh and them. Why couldn't somebody shout out, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Why is it when the east wind began to blow after that Moses stretched out his rod and they began to see the water open up for a 12-mile stretch as the wind blew? Wonder why it was then that they couldn't praise the Lord and start dancing a little bit. Bible didn't say they danced on this side of Egypt. The Bible said they began to dance on the other side over in Syria. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia. And they began to dance there. And there was a reason 
why it was that they didn't dance over in Egypt's side, but yet over in Saudi Arabia, they had a great big song, and the first song that was ever recorded was sung by the whole congregation, and Miriam got together, and she began to beat the tambourine in the ladies, and they began to prophesy how great God was, and they danced, and they had a good time right out there in the wilderness, right at the sea, right beside it of the beach. They began to dance and praise the Lord. Why was it that it was at that point in that time that they said then, hey, now we can celebrate. Why was it? God had spoken. He said, the Pharaohs that you see today, these Egyptians that you see today, you will not see them anymore. Why couldn't you shout when you heard that from God? Why couldn't you jump up and say, okay, everything's took care of. I'm okay. God's on my side. I see him fighting for me. I see him making a way for me. I see him doing things that nobody else in the world can do. And I'll praise him right now. No, they had to wait until they got to the other side. Something caused them to see something. Something they saw caused them to sing a song of praise and to dance. How many ever danced in church? Let me see your hand. I ain't got nobody in here to dance. I know some people dance in the church. Hey, you danced before? You danced in the church? Does anybody even know what you're doing when you're dancing in church? Do you know why you dance in church? Do you know why it is that you need to dance in your worship? Do you know why it is that that is a word that God puts in worship and in praise that is so powerful? Why God says for you to shout and to dance? There's a reason why you need to dance. And one of the reasons why that we are to dance is and when we don't dance, we miss it. And that's one reason why we got so many enemies and so much hell in our life because we refuse to dance. Some of you might say, well, I'm too old to dance. I'm 75 years old. Some of you might say, I'm 50, so if I dance, my back won't stand or whatever. But I'm going to tell you tonight, God is going to share with you why you should be dancing. Look at somebody say, when you're going to dance. I see a 72-year-old Indian over here every now and again. She'll get a little happy, and she'll go to dancing, and she'll have her a good little time. And I'm going to tell you why she seems to be the only one of us got any joy. There's a reason why you dance. They come across the Red Sea. God has showed Moses what was in his hand. God had showed Moses and revealed to the children of Israel just how big a God he was. They looked up to see bowels of Thon, and he had been destroyed by the storm that God had brought. It wasn't there anymore. God had defeated Beelzebub in the story and the false lie that he was the God that would stop people from escaping from Egypt. And God stood up in all of his power and his might and through his spirit and showed the children of Israel and all of Israel, all of Egypt, that he was the God that if he wanted to open up a way, it didn't matter how many Beelzebubs that there was sitting there, that he was going to bring his children out regardless and that their idol didn't have any power at all. They ain't a God on this earth that's got any power over the God that you serve and you need to I realize that and rise up under the power of God and start praising him because he's the one that's already delivered you. Now you got to learn how to walk in that deliverance. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 20. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Have you noticed here that the men sang but the women danced? 
I don't see if I, I don't know in the Bible if there's anybody that danced before the Lord other than David that was a man. But all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them and said, Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown in the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So Miriam had literally led all the women to go dance. Now go back with me to the first verse. It said, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel the song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, Now, I want you to hear what he wrote in this song, because this is God teaching these people that you know, understand in their mindset, they still thought that ball, that goat, I mean, I'm sorry, the, 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 the cow was the image of God. And they hadn't known God all of their life. For 400 years, he had been diluted. And then he, said, he wrote this song and said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown in the sea. The Lord's my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. You know, go back to verse number 31, I believe it is, of chapter 14. It said, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people, instead of fearing Beelzephon, instead of fearing Migdal, instead of fearing the mouth of the Red Sea, instead of fearing Pharaoh and all the armies, they feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now they come over in chapter number two and they say, the Lord has triumphed gloriously. The Lord is my strength in verse two and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. Everybody here today say he's my God. God. Notice what he said next. And I will prepare him a habitation. Slap down beside him and say, we got to prepare him a habitation. He's my father's God and I'm going to exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank at the bottom as a stone. I want you to understand these people were riding around with a lot of armor on. And when the water came down, they went down just like a rock. They couldn't swim. I'm going to tell you, when the devil, when God chooses to take the devil out of your life, he ain't got no chance. He's going down like a rock. He's going to be literally drowned by the power of God. He can't fight back. He ain't got enough power to fight back. God will take him out in a minute. And somebody needs to shout and praise the Lord for that right there. Amen. Amen. And the right hand, thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them in stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters are gathered together, the floods stood upright as in a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I'm going to pursue. The enemy said, I'm going to pursue Living Water Worship Center. The enemy said, I'm going after Betty Ratley. I'm going after Thelma Worm. I'm going after him, and I'm going to overtake Living Water. I'm going to overtake Janice Wright. I'm going to take overtake Linda. I'm going to divide their spoil. My lust is going to be satisfied upon them. I'm going to exploit them. I'm going to use them. I'm going to draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But the enemy's not here just to fight you. He's coming to kill you. 
Then it says, Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, and they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Right now today, if you begin to walk in your deliverance, the enemy that is trying to get you to focus on your past, focus on what's surrounded around you, focus on this COVID, focus on this pandemic, it will go down like lead right in front of your eyes. God has already delivered you. Now walk in the way of deliverance. Slap that beside me and say, walk in the way of deliverance. Who is locking the thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them up. There was an earthquake down in the middle of the sea. When that, that, that came back to normal, the Bible he shares with you in the original language there that an earthquake and swallowed them and sucked them down. God didn't just part the Red Sea, brought an earthquake. I'm going to tell you what, God will shake everything around you when he's ready for you to walk in the way of deliverance. When he's delivered you, he'll shake every hell, every demon from hell that there is around in your life. He will literally even take an earthquake and pull them out of your life. He will show the devil that you're his and that he's your God and that he's your property. And we need to quit worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow because God said, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Quit worrying about it. God's got you covered. Amen. Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. You've guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of Palestine. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Everybody just say this with me. Say, ever enemy I have. Say it like you mean it. Say, every enemy I have or will ever have will melt away immediately. Now, if you'll walk in that and walk in the way of deliverance, there ain't no devil that can do anything in your life. Verse 16. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. Instead of fear falling on the church because of COVID, fear will fall on the devil himself. And I want you to know any enemy that comes against you, instead of what they're planning to do to you, God will turn it completely right around on them. Fear and dread will fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as steel as a stone. Now, I want to ask you a question. Everybody look at me. If I had a stone up here tonight and I said there's a stone right there, it can hurt you. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to throw it to you. But I never pick that stone up and throw it at you. Why should you be fearful? Your enemy, God said, in the way of deliverance is going to be still as a stone. That means it's dead as a rock. If you take a rock and you throw it out into the water, is the rock going to flow? It goes down to the bottom. So every time the devil tries to pull you down to the bottom, know and understand that if you walk in the way of deliverance, that God will take that devil and pull him down to the bottom. He's going to be dead as a rock, still as a rock. He cannot have any power over you because he has delivered you already. All he wants his church to do is walk in the way of deliverance. I'm preaching pretty good whether y'all accept it or not. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over. O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inherit, thine inheritance and in the place, O Lord, which thou hast for thee and to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in his with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, 
And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them, but the children of Israel went out on the dry land in the midst of the sea. And that's when Pharaoh, I'm sorry, Miriam, the prophetess grabbed her a tambourine. Is that thing on? Hit it on there right quick for me, right quick. Grabbed her a tambourine, and she began to beat the tambourine. What caused her? They were singing. They had sung the whole song. They had finished singing. What caused Miriam to grab a tambourine and start hitting a tambourine and go to dancing? Didn't say Miriam sung. It said Miriam danced. What caused her to dance? Turn that on there and give me some tambourine music. Turn it up. Left. 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 Right. Left. Anybody got a tambourine back on? I believe it's a tambourine. I have somebody grab a tambourine and just shake it a little bit. I believe it's right behind you, somebody. She began to tap that tambourine. Speed it up a little bit. People were getting kind of happy now. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, said, Sing to the Lord, for he's triumphed gloriously. Look here. He is through the horse and his rider had the thrown into the sea. And I'm praising and shouting and dancing before the Lord because there's their body laying on this side of the sea. God has destroyed my enemy. And what I walked through and I came through, it killed them. God is a God that can bring you through something or another that nobody else can make it through. God has delivered her and brought her out and brought them out. And what you have went through already in your life, it will kill somebody else. That's why she began to praise. And she began to dance. And as she danced, more of the bodies come washing up. As she danced and the women turned her, more of the bodies come washing up. After a while, here come a horse. After a while, here come Pharaoh himself. The one that had tormented them for so many years that literally had ruled over them and took all the rights away, took everything. Here come Pharaoh himself. I'm going to tell you what. If my grandest greatest enemy was destroyed right in front of my eyes, you better hold up. I'm going to cut a jig. Amen. When I have found him all my life and then I know he ain't there no more, boy, I'm going to tell you what. You better get ready for a dance floor in the church because I'm going to dance and I'm going to have me a time. And when you began to dance, the more you began to dance, the more of your enemies die. So the more you incorporate praise and worship and you begin to put your dance in your praise and worship, the more enemies that there is in your family dies. The more you dance before the Lord and you praise Him, the more your children come to the altar and give their heart to the Lord. The more you dance, the more your church gets filled up. I want you to hear me. The more you dance, the more knowledge of the Word of God you get. The more you dance, the more people get excited about the Lord. I'm going to tell you, when you dance, you can start it out if you want to in the flesh, but when you begin to praise the Lord and 
can't dance for the Lord. I want to tell you that's why African American churches has a praise break two or three times in every sermon that they preach because they know that every time they begin to hit that jig that a devil is being stomped up under their feet and we need as a church of God to rise up and dance a little bit because you've already been delivered. You just need to learn how to walk in the way. So how do you walk in the way? Dance a little bit. Smile at somebody say, you got to start dancing. So God is trying to teach these people something. They just saw God do what he done. Ten plagues over in Egypt. He come in, they split the Red Sea, all of Pharaoh's army. He has literally wiped out the Egyptian empire. They have saw Pharaoh wash up there on the side and all the chariots broken down. They had saw God show up and destroy balls of fun. Egypt is not going to be nothing but a memory anymore. Miriam dances. All the men and the children sing a song of victory. And look what happens. So Moses, verse 22, brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness. Everybody say three days. And they found no water. That's why we have church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We need a church service within a three-day period. And we need a gathering within three days because what you get at the church on Sunday, you've lost it by Tuesday. Tuesday night. You, Wednesday is the hardest day that there is for me. That's the toughest day there is for me. And you better believe it. I've even seen Betty walk in here. She looks like she's been run through the catnip. And here she comes up here. Next thing you know, she gets to sing a little bit. And she'll say, I feel horrible when I come in here. But boy, I feel good now. Why? Because you need to be walking the way of deliverance and be in the church. Because you will lose what you get on Sunday morning. You got me. You need some more power. So in three days, they come up and there ain't no water. I'm going to tell you what. When you get thirsty, you go to hunting for some water. Amen. Pushed out right beside me and said, are you thirsty yet? I'm going to tell you what, I don't know. I preached and preached and preached up here, and I'm beginning to wonder if some of y'all ain't dying from dehydration because y'all ain't thirsty at all. It don't look like to me. I'm going to start bringing some water guns and just spray you with some water just so I make sure that you got a little bit of water in your life. Verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called Marah. And the people, again, murmured against Moses, saying, what are we going to drink? So here they had, for three days, they had their attention and their focus on God. They were walking the way of deliverance. And now one thing changes, and now their focus is on what's all around them. Are you seeing why you need Christians and you need the church? Are you seeing why you need to be in the house of God on a daily basis? I'm going to tell you what, some of you need to start turning maybe the television. I'll find you a good preacher, listen to his tapes, do something. Else. You need to have the word of God because the devil wants you to lose the power and the joy that you got because he already knows and you know that he's defeated. But yet we sit there and we let life defeat us. It's time for us to rise up in the power of God and go get what we needed to have that electrical charge every time we turn around because if we go a day without water, the first thing that happens is everybody gets bitter. Then they start saying, what you going to do? <laughs> what is he up to? Don't he know I'm thirsty? 
Don't he know that the carpet needs to be replaced in that church? Don't he know that they need a new refrigerator in that church? Don't he know that they need some new appliances in that church? Don't they know that the bathroom needs some help? Don't they know this or don't they know it? Everybody begins to be bitter at that point in time. That's why you need to come back together and worship the Lord and dance a little bit more. We need to dance on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and on Wednesday night together. And at home, you need to start dancing. Some of you need to just turn on the radio, turn it wide open and wake up the neighborhood. And when the cops come, say, I was just dancing. Amen. I'm almost finished. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which he had cast into the waters. The waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance that he proved them. Let me share this with you. Every time you get in that situation, God says, I need to show you something. And what he's going to show you is something more about the cross of Calvary. It always goes back to the cross. It always goes back to the blood. Today, in Israel, in Jerusalem, some 2,021 years ago, Jesus looked at his disciple and he said, go to the village. There's a little coat. Go get that coat. If the master says anything, tell him that I need it. He said, I'm entering in on my triumphal entrance into Jerusalem and making an announcement that I am God. I am the Messiah. And as he came into the city of Jerusalem, people with palm trees began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus done some few things, went to the, the temple and the next day he was confronted by the religious crowd and saying, by what authority are you doing the things that you're doing? And by the third day, they were saying, crucify him. Sister Janice, if you ever get the, the, the blessing in your life to ever be put behind the pulpit to lead a congregation, know and realize and understand that they'll crucify you in three days. You can preach the best message you ever preached on Sunday, and by Monday they're ready to take you out the position. That's why you better stay prayed up, packed up, ready to go with it. It only takes three days to lose what God gives you in yourself. Verse 25 says, And they cried unto the Lord, the Lord showed them a tree. God will always carry you back to the cross. I want to give you an idea. When you walk into the cross or you walk into the way of deliverance, you need to learn how to dance. Incorporate that into your praise. And you must, on a daily basis, take your mind back to the cross. Every time you take your mind back to the cross, you ought to have such a good visual vision of what happened at that cross that you can see Jesus there giving his life for you and everything with you. You ought to be able to recant that thing step by step in every station that is going on. You ought to be able to preach to yourself through what happened on that cross because it was there on that cross that that he delivered you and he asked you to walk in his way of deliverance. He didn't ask you to do anything. He said, all I enforced you to do is to stand forward and enforce the victory I won at the cross. He said, there on the cross, I put every demon that there was in the face of this earth. I stripped them of everything they had and put them to utter shame. And the church has given more power to the enemy, more power to the devil than we are to God. They don't have no power, but we're giving it to them. Jesus took all their power away, but we're giving it to them. And verse 26 said, and said, 
If thou would diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear of his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought thee upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Everybody just say, the Lord heals me. Now, he's not just talking about being sick. He's talking about healing you everywhere. And verse 27. And they came to Elam where there were 12 water wells and three score, 17 palm trees, 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So they come to Elam now. They had the three-day deal. They started grumbling, and God carries them to the place where there's 12 water wells, all these 70 palm trees, and life is hunky-dory and good while you're in Elam. Everything in life is all right as long as there's an Elam along the way. But look at verse number one. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month of the departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. How long did it take them to win the blessing or lose the blessing that they had in Elam? Three days. Lord help us. When we're walking in a blessing, it's wonderful. But all it takes is three days to lose what you already got. So in order for you to walk in victory, in order for you to live in the way of deliverance, Aunt Janice has got to dance a whole lot more. Betty's got to dance a whole lot more. Tina's got to start dancing some. Thelma's going to have to start dancing some. Trevor, I ain't never seen him dance, but he's going to have to start dancing some. Ben has got to get up off of that back pew and get on up here to the front pew and dance some. John has got to come back off of that first pew, that their first back row, and get on up here and praise the Lord and dance a little bit because every time you dance, you are just showing hell and every one of the enemies that's against you will come right at your feet. You are killing the devil in your life and you need church and you need your Christian friends. You need them every three days at least. Some of us need to be in church every day and we need to have our mind on the cross. You need to learn how to walk in the way of deliverance. Everybody just look at somebody and say, you're already delivered. Now walk in it. There ain't no reason why I wouldn't have to get up here and Betty had to get up here and fire you up to praise God. Nobody should have to have these songs up here so loud that it'll literally rock this place for you to get a little bit of feeling in your geriatric blood. You should come in here with so much power, so much glory, so much faith, so much power and honor in your life that nobody, you ought to be changing your environment where you're at. And if you sit beside somebody that's got their lips down on the ground before it's over with, you've got some joy in them too and you've changed them atmosphere. I want you to know I want to see this church dance one more time. I want to see the devil roll up on the seashore one more time. I want to be able to say that Living Water Worship Center is delivered by the power of a God that's stronger than any God that there is in the world and if the devil wants to come and try to take it away step across that line you'll have God to deal with someone say amen like you mean stand to your feet give God a good hand clap of praise and say dance some more dance some more dance some more let me tell you what to do your husband's sick at the house go home start dancing in front of him you got an unruly child, go home and dance in front of them. If you got a wife that ain't acting right, go home and dance a little bit. 
You got a church that won't pray to the Lord. What you got to do, Betty? Dance. A lot. A whole lot. I hope that this Sunday has given quite a bit of you a lot of word to hear. Was it fresh? Like, 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 like my brother told me, he said, how in the world you keep it all fresh? The only way I can keep it fresh is God put a catfish in my swimming tank. And I'm on the run all the time. Church, I just got to tell you, we're making too big of a deal over things. We're giving too much power to the enemy. We're reacting to the enemy too much. And God has told us this weekend, look here, I've already delivered you. Stand up. Present yourself. Draw a line in the sand. Sketch out a plan. Go forward. Keep it moving. As you keep it moving, you'll see your enemy raise up their hands and the white flag of surrender because I'll be the God that fights for you. If we will get up from the mess we're at and quit wallowing in our self-pity, quit worrying about where the money's going to come from, God's going to have it for you right on time. Don't you worry about it. It'll be there for you right on time. I'm prophesying that to several here tonight. God is about to do something in your life. This is the nucleus that can get it done and Living Water Worship Center can be the church that changes this region and I want it to be. God wants it to be because we're delivered and we're going to walk in the way of deliverance. Smile at somebody and say, start dancing now. Boy, I, I just want to see some of y'all walk us out of here together. Praise the Lord. Are you glad to come to church and I say amen? If you have an offering, you can bring it after I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these people that have shown their love to